Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the Obs Pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the Obspod is for you. Episode 12. Flexible. After I'd had my first daughter, I went back to work. She was about six months old and my husband was still travelling quite a lot. So I decided I'd like to work part-time. And that wasn't that common at this point. And for some reason, this was called flexible training. I never really understood why flexible. In my mind, flexible sounded like someone, a gymnast, someone super bendy, someone who could do anything. And in some respects, that is what being a flexi trainee or flexible trainee consisted of. Slightly oddly, flexible training at that point was supernumerary. There weren't very many of us. And so your salary was allocated and paid centrally by the deanery, the organisation in charge of overseeing training. So in fact, the same hospital that had tried to swindle me out of my pay when I'd arrived as a heavily pregnant registrar welcomed me back with open arms because I was suddenly a bonus pair of hands. I was suddenly an additional resource that was completely free, totally funded externally and they were thrilled. So I felt about the right balance was to work three days a week and I started doing that and 60% of the on-calls. So even though you're working part-time, you still have to do nights, weekends, bank holidays in just the same way as everybody else. One of the bonuses of working weekends and nights is my husband was a much more hands-on dad and much more self-reliant with the children than most of my contemporaries partners. He had to look after them from an early age on his own for periods of 24 hours. And that's something that perhaps in this day and age seems a bit sexist, but a lot of my friends' husbands never had that responsibility for their children, never could be left entirely on their own. And I think it's really valuable that my kids and my husband had that time without me just to do their own thing. And certainly my days off in the week, they were mummy days when they had mummy as opposed to the nanny. And they were looked forward to. But there were also those weekends, that that daddy time when mummy was on call, when 
the kids and my husband would plan to do things that they enjoyed doing together that perhaps I didn't enjoy so much. In terms of childcare, nursery wasn't an option. My hours were too long and also too unreliable. You can't place your child with a nursery that finishes promptly at six if you know you might be held up with an emergency operation, a hemorrhage, a late handover, a complication or problem. So that simply wasn't an option. So for childcare, I got a nanny and I was very fortunate that I found the most amazing nanny and she came to work for us for the days that I worked. And I think that's the other difficult thing about being a working mother, that your childcare eats your salary. So for quite a long time during my career, I was literally earning enough money to pay the nanny and the tax and national insurance of the nanny and pretty much nothing else. So the system wasn't geared to encourage women to continue working uh, and particularly not working part time because financially it just it just didn't make sense. When I returned from maternity leave and started back, there was no introduction. I was straight back into it. And I remember going into my first theatre case and literally thinking about how to operate, how to do a caesarean, what were the anatomical landmarks and kind of reorientating myself in what I could do. And I came home and said to my husband, oh, that was tough. I had to really think about what I was doing when I was in theatre. And he was a bit appalled and said, well, surely you always think about what you're doing when you're in theatre. And of course you do. But it's a bit like riding a bike. When you operate, you can to a degree do things on automatic pilot. It's something that you've done so much and you've gained so much experience with that you that you're almost on automatic. It's it's muscle memory. Your muscles, your body can remember what you're doing and how you should be doing it. So yes, of course you're thinking carefully, but what I found differently was I had to consciously really think about it rather than that unconscious knowing what I was doing. And sometimes people talk about steps of learning that you're unconsciously incompetent to start off with. Then you become consciously incompetent. Then you become consciously competent And then at the end, you're unconsciously competent. So you're competent all the time without even knowing it. You you take it for granted. And I suppose what I found coming back from maternity leave was that I became consciously competent. So my unconscious knowing that I was doing the right thing and knowing what I was doing had slipped slightly backwards into consciously having to very much concentrate and think through every step. Recently, the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has introduced a specific toolkit for people returning from maternity leave or from career breaks or from a period of sick leave. And I think that's really beneficial. And 
people now do keeping in touch days and come back much more gradually with support and more supervision. Whereas I literally turned up and was straight back into it with nothing. One big advantage of being a flexible trainee is I no longer rotated once a year. So I became out of sync with the planned rotations and it meant that I stayed at a hospital for a much longer duration. So you get used to trainees, get to know them, get to know who they are, get to know what they can do, get comfortable with them and then they move on. And I've started to understand this as a consultant myself, that it can be a little bit frustrating everyone moving once a year. A year seems like a long time, but actually it isn't. It's really quite quick. So one of the advantages of being a flexible trainee was that I could stay somewhere longer. So my first flexible post, I stayed 18 months after my maternity leave And consultants specifically said to me that they felt there was more point teaching me, training me, equipping me with the skills and things that would help me, but would also help them in delivering the service. It was more worthwhile their time investing in me. And I started to gain additional skills as a result. So I was attached to a particular consultant who was in fetal medicine. And he started to teach me to scan. And scanning at that point was not something that all trainees did. And I used to help him with his scan list. He was trying to build a service. And in fact, one of the first jobs I had to do at the beginning of the scan list was literally wheel the scanner down the main hospital corridor to the room that we were going to use. So I started to develop new skills and started to be someone that consultants felt they could rely on, that they trusted and that they had that connection with. So it started to be really beneficial for me being a flexible trainee. Sometimes people can be judgmental. You're not giving your all to your career. Are you committed? During my first attachment as a flexible trainee, I started to realise that actually being supernumerary and having my own salary funded actually gave me an advantage. At that time I was due to eventually rotate to the third hospital that had been allocated to me at the beginning of the training program. So when I'd got my rotation it had consisted of three hospitals and I'd been to two of them. But I started to realise that I had a choice and I had a choice partly because of being a flexible trainee. So I started to think about where I wanted to go. I had to go to a teaching hospital because I hadn't been to one for the first two years and I needed to go to a teaching hospital that was in my northeast Thames region. But I had a choice about where to go. 
So I started to investigate and make some contacts, ask around where might be a good experience and go and see the person in charge of training at a teaching hospital and ask whether they thought there might be a place for me. So I ended up going to one of the teaching hospitals in North London. And when I got there, I started working for a very eminent surgeon. In contrast to the other hospitals I'd worked at, there were a lot of junior doctors. So there were more tiers in that there were SHOs, senior house officers, registrars and senior registrars and clinical fellows, people doing research, all completely in awe of this particular consultant who was internationally renowned. And we used to have a theatre list, an afternoon theatre list on one of the days that I worked. And everything had to be just so. And the cases were long and complicated. And it was very much like being at what I imagine it might be like to be at court. So you're very much at the disposal of this consultant, ready to be called on if and when. We were learning laparoscopic surgery. And laparoscopic surgery is difficult, but also invaluable. So with laparoscopic surgery, you can do things through a keyhole, through small incisions on an abdomen, which mean that a woman's recovery will be significantly better. So you would make a very small incision by the belly button, put a needle into the abdomen. The needle's about six inches long, quite long and thin. Put it into the abdomen, carefully hoping you don't hit anything inside, internal organs, and there was a knack to it. And then you inflate the belly with gas before putting in bigger, what are called ports, through which you can put instruments. You can then move around the pelvic organs, the uterus, the womb, the tubes, the ovaries, inspect ovarian cysts, scar tissue or endometriosis and treat it. So I was never quite certain whether I was going to be called on. It wasn't decided in advance who was doing which case and who would get the chance to operate. I was desperate to get the operative experience. I found laparoscopic surgery really quite difficult. I've always had some difficulty with hand-eye coordination. For example, I've never been good at video games or playing tennis. And with laparoscopic surgery, you're looking at the images on a screen through a fibre optic camera and moving your instruments with your arms in the opposite direction to the way you think you need to move them. So if you move your arm in one direction, the instrument actually moves in the other direction. So it's very counterintuitive the way you manoeuvre things around and the way you operate. So I needed to get that skill because it was a key surgical skill I needed to master. But I was always conflicted during the list. I would be watching the clock the list would often run over and I would be torn between I want to stay, I want to appear dedicated to my job, 
I want to appear dedicated to the women I'm caring for and gaining the surgical experience I need. But I would be clock watching, worrying, how long was the list overrunning? How long would it take for me to commute home from the hospital? And would I, in fact, make it home for bath time and bedtime? So I always felt really torn during this list. It's difficult to focus on the job you're doing when part of your mind is worrying about getting home in time. And this is also where having a nanny was invaluable. My nanny was an absolute rock. She took the fact that I was a doctor very seriously. I never had to worry about the well-being of my children. She was pretty paranoid about disturbing me at work. She knew that I had a serious job and I needed to concentrate and that I needed to know my children were in safe hands. So she would take the initiative. She would take them to the doctor. She would take them to A&E. She would do whatever was needed. And also, if I was late, she would never reprimand me. She would never make me feel guilty. She would know that it was with good reason that I was stuck at work caring for people. And that's important because when you're operating and you're scrubbed, there's no way of phoning your childcare. There's no way of picking up the phone and saying, oh, I'm going to be late because you might be struggling with a very difficult case. It might be all hands on deck. It might be that there's no one free to pick up the phone. It might be that you just can't let someone know. So the fact that she respected my job and would take it for granted and would tolerate what I needed to support me in my career was fantastic. And I certainly couldn't be the doctor I am today if I hadn't had her help and assistance with my children. Totally reliable, totally dependable and totally understanding. So as I continued my flexible training, the difficulty was that they kept moving the goalposts. So when you start your training programme, you had a five-year training course and theoretically at the other end, you'd be spat out as a consultant getting your certificate of specialist training. And originally, flexible training was quite niche. There weren't very many of us and they didn't have strict rules about how much time, additional training time this would add or what the ratios were in terms of training. However, as I went on, there became more flexible trainees and we became more integrated into the rest of the workforce. We started to do things called a slot share where perhaps two trainees would share one whole time equivalent slot within a rotor. And so there started to be a lot less flexibility and there started to be clear calculated rules about how many months of whatever percentage of flexible training was equivalent to a year of full-time training. So my CCT date, my Certificate of Specialist Training date that was going to come at the end of my training just kept moving 
further and further away. And there was even a point in my flexible training where I was at one hospital as a senior registrar because of the amount of training I'd done, went on maternity leave and came back to the same hospital on the junior registrar rotor because over the time I'd been off on maternity leave, the training rules had changed and the amount of training I'd had was now equivalent to less than what it had been before I'd gone off. So at points it felt never-ending. At points I had no idea when I was ever going to finish and at points it certainly felt like it wasn't going to be worth it. Working hard with two small children, getting up, trying to get the children up, shooting out the door the minute the nanny arrived, a long commute, a long day at work, possibly an on-call, coming home desperate to perhaps have five minutes, read a bedtime story to the children before they went to bed and on quite a lot of days missing them all together. It was, it was hard, hard times. So in all, having embarked on an original five-year training programme, having taken two lots of maternity leave of six or seven months and completing the rest of my training either 60% or 80%, my training ended up taking nine years, which sort of is okay, but is a considerable length of time to be unsettled, not know where you're working and to be trying to develop your career. I definitely questioned whether it was worth it and whether it really was worth working. And that brings me to today's zesty bit. So today's zesty bit is about work-life balance. At the end of the day, being a doctor, being a midwife, working in maternity, it is a job. So it is a vocational type of job and many of us are doing it for a variety of different motivations. Many of us are doing it to feel like we're making a difference, to feel like we're caring for people. It's not just about the salary. But it is a job and balancing motherhood bringing up my own small children alongside work, trying to support other women my age, having their own families, having their own babies. I do think it has made me a better doctor, but it was extremely challenging. And I'm not saying that being a working mother isn't challenging whatever career you do. It most certainly is. But it was hard and it was difficult to keep it in perspective. And I think now it's the same for trainees. It's difficult to know when do you have your children. As I've said before, there's never a right time. And actually, we bring a different perspective. And certainly a lot of the flexible trainees I know are unbelievably talented at multitasking, at organising and bringing new ideas and 
perhaps doing that little bit more because they've got a bit more perspective and a bit more than just the job. So being a flexible trainee, perhaps a disadvantage, perhaps can be looked down on by other trainees and consultants, but also has its distinct advantages in making us more rounded people and bringing other aspects of life into our ability at work. So that's today's zesty bit. Remember, at the end of the day, it is a job and it is worth spending time on other things in your life that you want to do, whether that be having a family or pursuing a specific skill or ambition, because it will pay dividends in the end. So I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the OBS pod. If you have, do like, subscribe or leave a review and join me again to explore more about the life of an NHS obstetrician. I'm finding it really exciting to have people listening and give me feedback about what they've found interesting. So please do recommend the OBS pod to other friends, colleagues or people who you think might find it interesting. I'd love it if you'd share with me what you've enjoyed about listening and if you've done anything differently as a result. I can be found on Twitter at FWMaternity and at the Obspod. And please do check the Matexp hashtag, hashtag M-A-T-E-X-P and the website matexp.org uk for more information and ideas on how to improve women's experience of maternity care. Finally, I'd like to reassure you that I take confidentiality very seriously and although I'm talking about experiences from my working life, I'm taking great pains to make sure that I anonymise the stories and talk in more general terms so that I keep confidentiality of my women I currently care for and have cared for in the past, very safe. Many thanks for listening.